Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Raw Prospect Podcast, episode 170. Today, we're going to be doing our U.S. Open draft, where we pick players from the tier list. Uh, I have it in front of me, but um, joining me, as always, from Austin, Texas, the stat king himself, Mr. Michael Wien. How are you doing? Another major championship week. This time, the nation's national championship of golf. That's what they call it. It's the U.S. Open, which is being played at L.A. Country Club. Uh, We'll be playing about a little over 7,400 yards, pretty much like a USGA layout. Um, Wide fairways. There's a lot to learn about this course. Um, We haven't really seen it in the public eye. In a long, long time. Uh, the last time I believe a big event was held at this course, it was the 2012 Pac 12 Championship for college golf. And, you know, this doesn't really play a huge factor because the course has changed since then. But Max Homa holds the course record, which he set at that tournament when he shot a 61. So just keep that in mind. The defending U.S. Open championship from last year, Matt Fitzpatrick. Uh, and then the year before that, John Rum. Uh, it should be an interesting tournament. The way we're going to do it today, as Emmy goes for his third consecutive, third consecutive major championship winner pick in a row. He's going for the Grand Slam. He's already halfway there. The way this is going to work is... From the FanDuel tiers, let's give credit to FanDuel first and foremost for providing these tiers for us to use on this podcast. We have tier one, we have tier two, we have tier three, we have tier four, and we have tier five. We will go through the tiers. Since Emmy has been the king of this, he will get the first pick, but it will be a snake draft. So he'll get the first pick, then I'll get the next two picks from tier one and tier two, and then so forth from there. Y'all get the deal. We've done this before. But there's one catch at the end where we're each going to get a bonus pick or what we're calling a raw prospect power play, I believe, uh, where we can pick any player left at the very end once we each picked our five players that's left from the five tiers. But there will be ten subtracted because we've each picked five. And that will be like our bonus pick, the most interesting pick of the entire podcast. And then at the end of the episode, I want to talk a little bit about the PGA Live DP World Tour merger, just because that's huge news in golf. Um, And I think we'd be, I don't know what the right word is, but we need to be weird to acknowledge it and do a golf podcast. We'd be wrong not to at least acknowledge it on this podcast because it was like the biggest news of last week in sports. So, with all that being said, let's get started. The floor is yours, Emmy. You have the first pick from tier number one. Well, um, the, the first pick is always the most interesting because you've got the whole board in front of you, obviously. But my pick is going to be Victor Hovland. Um, that was my game plan coming in. Let's take Victor Hovland. Um, 
He didn't play last week. He played the week before and got a win um, at the Memorial Tournament. I think that's one of the reasons I feel good about that pick. He's been playing great all year. He just hasn't been able to get that monkey off his back and win um, this season until that tournament. Um, And, well, at least not recently. I think he did win one at the very beginning of the year, but that's not relevant. Um, He got the monkey off his back. He had been in contention a bunch of times in a row and wasn't able to get the job done. Um, And now I think going into this major, this is a tournament that's going to play into his hands. He's a all-world ball striker, as we know, but his improved short game is what I really think is going to be truly tested. I think he's improved his short game to the point where he may not be like elite in short game statistics quite yet, but he's definitely up there in the top 20 in scrambling each and every week. Um, And I think that's enough reason to pick Victor Hovland here. Yeah, I think that's a good pick. I've been listening to some U.S. Open preview podcasts, and they've spoken about Hovland, and they've spoken to how he's gotten so much better within his short game, especially around the greens. Now, it's hard to say how this course is going to play and how much shot shaping around, how much shot creation around the greens he's going to have to do, but with the way he's been playing, there's no question that I think he'll be in contention. He's got a good track record at majors um, so far in his young career, and he's just yet to break through along with some of these other guys that we might talk about. Now, since you guys can't see the tiers, tier one consisted of John Rahm, Scotty Scheffler, Brooks Kepka, Rory McIlroy, Victor Hovland, and Patrick Cantlay. So that's six players. Emmy has taken one off the board and Victor Hovland. Now, during the day today, I've been between two players. I've been between Scotty Scheffler. I mean, this would be a perfect tournament for him to win. Uh, and then Patrick Cantlay. And the reason I've been between those two players is because I believe even though Scheffler has struggled with the putter a little bit over the past couple months for whatever reason, dating back to the PGA. His tee to green game is so good. He gains over 10 strokes tee to green. He's first in that category this season. He's so good that he makes up for his lack of putting the past couple of weeks and or tournaments. And he still hasn't finished outside the top 12 since last October. Wow. Cantlay is just period one of the best players tee to green and I trust his putting a little more right now but he's let me down a couple times in the major championships this is a tough decision but I'm going to stick to my guns and I'm going to pick Scotty Scheffler okay I, I think I would agree with that um, he's been extremely consistent and I think the thing you can count on with Scotty is if he comes out and have a, has a bad day, day one, no matter what he shoots the first day, as long as it's not like a 82 or something, he's not going to be out of it. He's not going to be like completely out of question to make the cut because we know how low he can go when he turns it on. So even if he 
does, you know, struggle with the putter the first day, he's able to grind out good scores. Um, and I think in a U.S. Open, that's always what's so important. It's always the mental game. That's extremely important. Okay, now for Tier 2. Uh, oh, man. Okay. My pick again because it's a snake right. draft. Right, sorry. So Tier 2 is going to be Xander Shoffley, Colin Morikawa, Jordan Spieth, Cam Smith, Max Homa, and Matt Fitzpatrick, who is last year's U.S. Open champion looking to defend his title. Max Homa, as we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, holds the course record at L.A. Country Club. But his track record in majors to this point has been not very good, uh, to be kind. I think the best player in this tier, and he's proven it, in the major championships, he just hasn't won sort of like what we talked about with Victor Hovland is Xander Shoffley. I'm a little bit shaky on Morikawa because of the back spasms and his health lately, even though he's a California kid and he plays well at these California courses uh, and he's won major championships before. I think Spieth's game sets up to play really well at this course, big fairways, a lot of shot creativity. Uh, he's been playing really well lately. I'm between Shoffley and Spieth. Uh, Cam Smith wouldn't be a bad pick either, I don't think. Uh, but I'm going to go Xander Shoffley. Okay. Um, I believe I picked him last time for the PGA. He's He's someone who I said it last time we did this. He's just so solid. Every part of his game is just so solid. There's no glaring weakness. Um, I feel like that's pretty rare. Um, And I feel like it's extremely rare to just see him make mistakes. He's just so steady out there. Okay. Uh, For my picks, um, for Tier 2, I'm going to go with Cam Smith. Um, I I know you mentioned his name. He was a guy that I was looking at, um, and I was actually just kind of hoping you wouldn't take him. Um, when his putter is hot, he's incredibly tough to beat. And on a course like this, I, from what I've heard, obviously huge fairways. Um, if a lot of people are going to be hitting the fairways, the differentiator is going to be the putting. Cause if every, if all of these tour guys, I mean, they're all world-class players, obviously, they're all hitting fairways. They're going to be hitting greens for the most part as well. So the differentiator really is going to be who makes the putts. And also when you do miss the green, are you able to make up and down? Um, and Cam Smith is arguably the best in the world at that. Okay. What about tier three? Tier three. Oh man. I, I, I'm kind of stuck between Wyndham Clark, who won, uh, I believe it was three or four weeks ago, uh, his first PGA Tour win. That's and, tier four. Oh, is it? Oh, shoot. Tier three <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. Um, tier three, I'm going to take okay. Tommy Fleetwood. Sorry. Um, okay. Tommy Fleetwood just lost in a playoff last week at the uh, 
Canadian Open, obviously, on that crazy 72-foot putt. But when Tommy Tommy Fleetwood is on, his ball striking is just incredible. Um, And it seemed like he found something with the putter last week. And a lot of times when, you know, these streaky putters find something, it it stretches out for about a month because Tommy Fleetwood is about as streaky as it gets. We've seen in years past him go for a round of 63 in a U.S. Open. He's, he can go low um, and just take it deep. He doesn't have a problem taking it deep. So I'm going to go with him. Okay, good pick. Um, yeah, he just lost in the playoff to um, – who was it? The RBC Canadian last week. I believe it was Nick Taylor, name. I think. Nick Taylor. Um, that broke like a crazy long streak of Canadians not winning that specific tournament uh, in Canada. A 72-foot eagle putt on the fourth playoff hole to win that tournament. Just nuts. Um, and it got me even more excited for this week. Look, I love Tyrell Hatton's game, um, but I think I'm going to go – Cam Young let me down last time. I think I'm going to go Tony Fino. Okay. Uh, look, he's disappointed at majors before. This could come back to bite me in the ass, but sometimes there's a gut feeling. I feel like this court's – this course, excuse me, sets up well for his game. I mean, wide open fairways. He's a great driver of the golf ball, good ball striker. He just needs to putt well. Um, it's a little bit of a gut feeling pick. Again, hasn't necessarily performed at the majors particularly well, but this course is sort of an unknown. And I think Finau is going to be in contention even if he doesn't win. And then tier four, this is where it gets a little tougher. Um, A lot of of sneaky good players in this tier. Um, I like Adam Scott. He seems to be playing well lately. Uh, I've experimented with Joaquin Neiman and Siwoo Kim the past couple of tournaments, and I'm not going to go there. I like Wyndham Clark, and I also like Corey Connors. Uh, Patrick Reed always finds a way to contend in these type of majors. Right. I'm I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Wyndham Clark. I'm gonna steal your pick, and I'm gonna go Wyndham Clark. Okay, playing well lately. Yeah, I I mean, he's in really good form right now. There's no question about it. So that's a solid pick for sure. Um. Not a whole lot of analysis here for me. I think, oh man, I think I'm going to go Corey Connors. Um, hey, that was my number two, but go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I really don't know what it is about Corey Connors, but something about his swing really speaks to me. It's just so smooth. Um, I've always said Ernie Els is my favorite swing of all time. Corey Connors swing, the tempo he has, it's very similar to Ernie L's a little bit. Um, and 
I don't know. I just think he'll play well. He's a great ball striker, and he, he's been putting the ball well lately. That's really always been the question with him. Okay. So you went Corey Connors, and then who's your next pick? My your next final. pick is going to be hmm, – I think I'm going to go with Denny McCarthy. Um, Damn it. <laughs> That's tough. tough. Um, Yeah, he he won three weeks ago, I think it was. I really don't know a whole lot about his game, but winning on the PGA Tour is just so incredibly difficult. Um, And the confidence that you get from knowing you can go out and win a tournament, um, I think it's going to bode well for him this week. Okay, I like that pick. That's who I wanted. Um, that's okay. Um, so tier five, you know, a lot of the players that we've talked about in the past. Uh, Denny McCarthy, a great pick by Emmy. Uh, guys like Cam Davis. Um, I think, you know, the Camerons are going to be interesting to watch this week overall, but he's played well at some majors before. Keith Mitchell is a guy I really like, and I've watched a lot of lately. He seems to be in good form. Not a whole lot of analysis here. I'm going to go Keith Mitchell. Okay. Um, yeah, Keith Mitchell seems like, out of all the guys on tour, he seems like a fun guy to just play golf with. I don't know. He seems like a cool dude. I don't know what it is about him. Um, anyways. Who who are you going to go with for tier five? That was tier five. So oh, now oh, tier six. Sorry. Um. Wow. So now we get to our power pick, and this pick can be any player left on the board. Tiers one through five can't go into tier six. Not that you would want to do that. Um. But tiers one through five, any player. I'm assuming that both of our picks will be from either tiers one, two, or three. That's just what I'm assuming. Um, So I look at the board again to remind you, I have Scotty Scheffler, Xander Shoffley, Tony Finau, Wyndham Clark, and Keith Mitchell. Emmy has uh, Victor Hovland, Cam Smith, Corey Connors, Denny McCarthy, and Tommy Fleetwood. Okay, um, you know, screw it. I'll go Kepka. Okay, good pick. I mean, we were we were kind of. I mean, I figured one of us would take him with the power play since we uh, skipped on him on the uh, tier one. But for me, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a risky play. I. We've talked about this guy off the podcast about, you know, how up and down he is. I'm going to go with Rory McIlroy. Um, okay. I like that. I think, you know, I, you really don't know which Rory McIlroy you're going to get round to round. But if he can just grind out like an even par round, round one, I'll feel confident. Because if you look at Rory McIlroy's track record in the majors – Round one and round two are awful for him. 
So if he can just survive, I know he'll play well round three and hopefully round four. Sometimes he's a little bit shaking around four as well, but Oh man, I, I just have a weird feeling. I, it would just be, he's played well lately for the most part. Obviously he's, he had that rough final round in, at the Memorial tournament, but man, when he's on, he's just, I mean, he's Rory McIlroy, one of the best players of all time. Right. Okay. So to recap, Emmy Nixon, Victor Hovland, as he pursues his third consecutive correct major championship pick. Victor Hovland, Cameron Smith, Tommy Fleetwood, Corey Connors, Denny McCarthy, and his power play pick, Rory McIlroy. For me, I have Scotty Scheffler, Xander Shoffley, Tony Finau, Wyndham Clark, Keith Mitchell, and Brooks Kepka, who, if he wins this week, would join Jack and Tiger as the only guys in golf history to have three PGAs and three U.S. Opens under their belt. Wow. Um, so that's going to do it for our player pool draft. Now, anything else you want to say with regards to the tournament and what you expect to see before we wrap up this episode by talking about the PGA Live DP World Tour merger? Well, I just I expect to see, you know, typical U.S. Open type of stuff, firm, firm fairways, fast greens tough conditions you know that's what you want in a u.s open it's the it's one of the most unique tournaments in golf because it's meant to be the toughest test in golf so um it would just feel wrong if it ended up being some dude at 15 under or something i wanted to play tough i want to see these guys tested um and hopefully the player with the best mental game is going to win. That's that's how it typically goes in the U.S. Opens. Right. Here's a stat for you. The average score under par since 2000 for the U.S. Open, four and a half under par has been the average um, score under par for the winner since 2000. Wow. It's the only major with an average winning score of less than 10 under par in that span since 2000. Right. And think about so, it. If you take out the outliers, like Rory McIlroy at Congressional in 2011 at 16 under, and then Tiger Woods at Pebble Beach in 2000 at 12 under. If you take out those outliers, then it would be even even worse than that. So, And here's one more stat before we move on. Each of the last dozen, so – each of the last 12 U.S. Open champions have come from inside the official World Golf ranking top 30 mm. um, with an average ranking of 12.4 for the past 12 champions. World number one has not won the U.S. Open since Tiger did back in 2008. So just some food for thought. Um, and, yeah, that's about it. Um, so with that being said, we will see – how it goes by Sunday evening, we will know whether or not one of us has predicted the winner um, correctly. And we will know whether or not Emmy has been able to continue his heater, as I called it in the lower third. 
for major championship picks, which is pretty impressive already in itself. Like if if things go off the rails here for both of us, as they already have kind of for me, but if things suddenly go off the rails, not saying they will, uh, you've already done, I mean, incredibly well. Yeah, I appreciate so. that, man. I, I really just got lucky, I guess. I, I mean, I don't want to call it luck because, like, obviously I want to give myself credit but and, and take a victory lap, but really that's it's what a, it was. It's a little, it's a little luck, right. but I think you can say that for almost any sport. Right, like, right. Sometimes you have to have a little luck, especially in this game. Definitely. Um, there's – guys, there's not like a whole ton of analysis that we can give you. We're just giving you what we see when we watch these tournaments. Uh, there are some stats that we can provide, and there's some history to look at. Like guys that are good, you know, tee to green, typically do well at this tournament. Or guys that are, are the best in stroke skating putting do well in this tournament. But in golf, it's just a little bit of feel and a little bit of luck. Um, but Emmy, I mean, you picked two of the best players in the world um, the past two majors, and they've gone on to win those tournaments. So we'll see what happens this time. Yeah. I, um, but with yeah, go let's, ahead. Let's uh, let's go ahead and move on. Sorry, I, I sorry for cutting you off. Let's uh, go ahead and move on to our live pga merger discussion um right where do we even start i mean you just have to feel terrible for the pga guys that uh stuck around like we're and we're told to be super loyal i you know obviously they're they're millionaires you're not gonna like pity them obviously like that much because they're they have great lives still but um to turn down 800 million in the case of Tiger Woods, to turn down 400, 500 million in the case of Rory McIlroy, or a great example, Will Zalatoris turned Will, Will Zalatoris turned down 250 million and now is injured, hasn't been able to play all season long. I mean, the the impact is there, and and whether you know Rory would want to admit it or not, I think. There, there's going to be a lack of trust between the players and the ownership, whoever it may be, moving forward. Um, but go ahead and give your take on it. Well, first of all, it came out of absolutely nowhere. Um, look, there's been shots fired at both sides. There's been shots fired at the PGA Tour commissioner. Jay Monahan for being a hypocrite. I'm not going to go in on Jay Monahan or reveal my thoughts about, you know, live as a whole and what the PGA tour, how they look, you know, that sort of thing. Since Jay Monahan, it was revealed earlier that he's recovering from a medical scare. So I'm just not going to do that. It's just not the right time to, um, but Look, the hope is that this is good for golf. It's going to bring unity. And at the end of the day, what I think is the PGA wants its stars back on their stage. 
And I think, I, th- I don't know all the details. I'm not going to even claim to know half the details. But I think at some point, I think at the end of this season, those players that went to live will be eligible to reapply for eligibility on the PGA Tour. Uh, but golf now becomes a world entity, which I think is good for its popularity. I think it's good for growing the game of golf. I think Rory has said that, even though he despises live and has been outward spoken about his thoughts there. Uh, but he even said he thinks whether, I mean, he might not actually believe it, but I think, when Rory speaks, you listen, and the hope is among the players, whether they like it or not, that this, at the end of the day, will be good for golf. Instead of having a gray cloud constantly hanging over golf as sort of this like distracting aura of this rivalry and dividedness of golf that existed for a year and a half with live and PGA. Although you can also make the argument that that rivalry was good for golf. Right. I still think though that (laughs) even if the live players rejoin the PGA tour, there's still going to be some animosity there. Absolutely. Which I still think could be good. Uh, So I think overall, for the game of golf, excluding everything else, which in the grand scheme of things is hard to do when you really look into the situation. But just talking about the game of golf and what it does for the game globally, I think it'll be good. Uh, and that's all I can really say because I don't know much of the details and I can't really speak much beyond that. But I think it's it was good to at least acknowledge it on a golf podcast. Yeah, I think um, it's good for the game. There's no question about it. And I think with golf moving into a post-Tiger Woods era, that's where we're going. Um, it's got to be united. That's that's just the bottom line. It, with the rivalry, it, would just, it just wasn't going to work. And one of the first things I thought about when this – merger came out was the Ryder cup um guys like ian poulter lee westwood those guys are going to be eligible to be captain for the Ryder cup once again and you know obviously they're on the europe side and blah 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 but it would just feel weird for those type of Ryder cup legends to not be captain at some point especially ian poulter and sergio garcia those two guys I mean, if you look at their Ryder Cup um, resume, it's pretty dang good. Um, it, it's as good as any in history. Um, so it's it's great for the game. Um, there's so much you can get into in terms of speculation. The only thing I'll say is my theory is that there's something that the PGA tour didn't want to be made public. Um, I think with the lawsuits going down, there was going to be eventually um, some inside stuff about the PGA tour. 
aired out that yeah. maybe they didn't want to be. And I mm-hmm. think that may have been the incentive for them to come to the table and negotiate. Um, Cause at the end of the day, one of the first things we said when we saw people going to live golf was everyone has a number, including the PGA tour apparently. So. Right. And look, there had to be something because as fast as this happened right. or as fast as it seemed to come together and look, I think there's an investigation going on as to the merits of this merger. Um, and I don't know if it'll actually end up going through. I, I still don't know that it's finalized. Um, but yeah, for something like this to come together this quickly, uh, I, I think you're absolutely right in your suspicion that there, there had to be something going on behind the scenes that either the PGA or someone did not want out to the public for this to happen. But at the end of the day, money talks. Right. And that's that at the end of the day, I think won everyone over. So with all that being said, I guess that can wrap things up for this episode 171 of the Raw Prospect Podcast. Again, check out us on social media. Um, we're really starting to pound our social media accounts, both our Twitter and our Instagram. Uh, do we have any other accounts? Uh, uh, TikTok. Our, um, TikTok. It's the only one. That's the only other one I I can think of. Um, right. So for the past for the past couple of major championships, we've been posting our picks at the beginning of the week for. The majors and then Sunday night we'll come back with a recap as to how we did and maybe another announcement that Emmy once again picked the winner or maybe I picked the winner this time I don't know um, we will see but that does it for episode 171 go check out the podcast we recorded on what day was it Sunday night those are up now We did our NBA Finals recap. Congratulations to the Denver Nuggets uh, on winning their first NBA championship. And we also did a very popular episode to this point. Our, our, um, what was it? Our NFL MVP draft for this upcoming season for players that we think could win the MVP. That was very fun. Go check those out. But until next time, just like... Um, just like live golf, right? Just like live golf as a standalone entity. We are going, going gone. Peace Peace out. out.